Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you again, and we are in for part two of our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Yes, you heard the part one show last week with our special guest, Luke Scarley. We won't be wasting too much time as we get into it. And with that, I would like to welcome back Luke to the show. Well, Luke, it's 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 building. It's only a matter of time now, and we're going to be all guns blazing. Uh, yes, Caruso, welcome viewers. I'm very eager to get into this and just get that World Cup underway. I'm eager to see what the Socceroos can do. Uh, right now as recording, they have named their squad and it's looking pretty juicy. Oh, it is indeed. Now, unfortunately, he was missing for part one. He was uh, off on, let's just say, other duties. But he is joining us here tonight. And not only that, Dom Rizzuto, the first time you have joined us after the announcement of the fact that we are now officially an award-winning show. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Good evening, uh, gents. It's good to be here. Yes, apologies t- uh, to everyone that I couldn't be here the week prior. Yes, there were other engagements that I had to attend Very important to. engagements we should It we was. Should it was. To be fair, it was quite an important engagement. Uh, and uh, if you were listening to the bench uh, uh, on uh, Monday week, you would have uh, heard all about it. So I won't get into uh, too much details as to where I was last week. But the important thing is, is that I'm back for it this week. Heaps of teams to uh, run the rule over. The World Cup squads have pretty much all been announced. Um, some exciting uh, choices from various different uh, managements and, and player selection committees. And we're heading into a very, very um, intriguing World Cup, a first of its kind. And at this time of year, only a couple of weeks away now. So, I tell you what, I think everyone is getting that that fever again. Oh, we cannot wait. Well, with that, we've got three groups to get through here tonight. We've got groups C, group D, and group E. With that, the referee's out in the middle now. And Dom, we've brought him back. We are dedicating this show to our favorite referee of all time, Pierre Luigi Colina. He is out in the middle for us tonight. <laughs> oh, what a legend. <laughs> oh, what an absolute legend. With that, We are all set for play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with our first team in Group C. And Dom, it is Argentina, who this this time around qualified from Comnable in second place. They're coached by Lionel Scaloni, captain by Lionel Messi. Their 18th finals appearance, their 13th consecutive appearance, two-time world champions and a current ranking of third. And you just get the feeling, is this the end of the line for this golden generation for Argentina? It's certainly uh, at a point of a crossroads, uh, aren't they, the Argentines, going into the uh, final World Cup uh, with uh, Lionel Messi uh, most likely playing. I, I doubt very much that you'll see him be selected in four years' time, they've got a very, very, I would say, intriguing squad. There's plenty of talent up front, as always, lacking uh, at the back, but definitely much stronger than they were a few years ago after they finally uh, got over that uh, hoodoo and finally won a trophy with Lionel Messi in charge um, in the Copper America in 2020 or 2021 now, and they'll be really kind of, I suppose, riding that emotion uh, into this World Cup too. We've got a decent group as well. You'd see them probably get through that, but uh, they've always, you know, like you said, on the World Cup stage, they've gotten close, but they haven't gotten quite close enough. And it'll be interesting to see if the emotion uh, can carry them forward uh, in 2022 in Qatar. And, and 
Luke, this is a this is a team as Dom said, plenty of attacking talent, but they are really lacking in defense. The only no, the only really experienced defender in this line is, lineup in Nicholas Otamendi. And not only that, but their goalkeeping stocks looking relatively threadbare. I yeah, dare well, you, Crusoe. I I'll let Luke talk first, but how dare you, Crusoe? No, definitely, Crusoe. You've got to stand up for your boys. You are the goalkeeper man here. So they have got Emmy Martinez. You know, he he was doing bits for them in that Copper America. Um, leaning on Nicholas Otamendi might not be a bad option, realistically. He's always proven that he can do something. Um, the matter what he's done in league competition or what his age is. Um, and Lissandro Martinez, I'm going to be quite quite intrigued to see what he does. Obviously, he got a lot of scrutiny going to Manchester United and saying he's too small, he's not quick enough, he's this, he's that. Um, hopefully, he can he can get a good partnership there. As Dom said, the forward line, superb. Messi's last World Cup, uh, unless something crazy happens and he just plays exceptionally for another four or five years. But realistically, it's going to be that swan song they're looking for. Send him off with two trophies, one in the Copper and one in the World Cup. Go on, I think Dom. the biggest talking point out of this is is that if he can win the World Cup, uh, and I guess this goes to Ronaldo when we talk a little bit about Portugal later on, is that I don't think there can be any arguments over his status as one of the great of, of the greatest of all time. I think that's always been the argument between himself and Maradona. Is yep. Maradona went and won a, a title for Napoli when nobody wanted to go play for them. But not only that, he won them the World Cup. And Messi hasn't been able to do it. And that's always been the argument. It's like, well, Maradona won them the World Cup and arguably not nearly as strong as what this Argentine side has been for Messi either um, yep. since the time that he's been in the in the squad. It, you know, I, I probably take it back a little bit what I said around that, that defensive frailty that they've shown for a number of years too. Um, you know, like they've got the likes of Christian Romero we mentioned before. Uh, Lissandra Martinez, Otamendi's in there. So they've got a decent back line and their front um, front uh, attacking options are pretty much uh, endless. Uh, and their midfield's pretty solid. They make me look lacking uh, uh, that kind of creative number 10, but I guess Messi will, pl- will fill into that void um, for the team. But I guess, yeah, like I said, it'll be an, an emotional thing for them. Can they keep it in check? Uh, enough to see them over the line. I mean, they've got they've come so close. I mean, we can't remember or can't forget the the 2014 World Cup when poor old Gala, Zala Higuain couldn't shoot to save his life um, and uh, allowed uh, the Germans to run away with that uh, stoppage time, or excuse me, extra time winner uh, all those uh, years ago now. It's been a long time since then. They've got that trophy under their belt. I think they're primed to, to have a deep run in this tournament, but... I tell you what, there's a lot of good teams in this year's World Cup and it's going to be a real challenge for them. Definitely. I think they're going to maybe get a bit scared if they concede or have a draw in that first game um, because they're going to be riding that emotion, like you said, Dom, and it's going to be if a, if any points get dropped in the group stage, they might get that fear, that fear factor in them that this is not going to be it. We've got to really, really rely on Messi getting those goals and he's, he's stood up in big games, but there have been times when he's crumpled underneath that weight of Argentina. And if that first game goes not the way they want, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Well, let's move on to the next team in a group C. It is Saudi Arabia who qualified from AFC as the third round winners of group B coached by Herve Renard, captained by Salman Al-Faraj. It's their sixth finals appearance, their second in a row. The best performance being the round of 16 at USA 1994, currently ranked 51st in the world. And Luke, you know, plenty of experience. Everyone plays in the National League, which is usually a big plus for a team. However, their challenge is that they've got six of their midfielders all age of the over the age of 30, four defensive players all over the age of 30. And all of a sudden, you get the feeling that this Saudi Arabian lineup is going to be up for some significant renewal over the next four years. 100%, Anthony. Um, playing all in the same league, like you said, it can do, do benefits. Um, but they don't have that standard that they probably need to get out of this group. Uh, a lot of players with experience, maybe they can just hustle and play defensively like lots of small nations or small clubs when it's league competition do, drop way deep and just stifle the opposition. Uh, but the class in the rest of the group, I think, is going to just outplay this Saudi team. 
um, no matter what kind of tactics they employ to try and stop the opposition. Uh, and then obviously, like you said, overhauls are going to have to happen. Uh, they're usually a powerhouse in the AFC, um, but their league, their world ranking has, has slipped a bit from prior times. Um, and hopefully uh, they don't do anything to negate this group because I feel like the rest of the teams are probably going to be more entertaining and uh, a, a better viewing for, for everyone viewing to go through um, than some Saudi draw or a win stopping another nation going through. Dom? Yeah, it's an interesting one with Saudi Arabia. They've always uh, performed very adequately in qualification. Um, tough place to go for obvious reasons, needless to say, uh, what they may be, uh, and have usually gotten themselves to this point on quite a few occasions. But when they get to this stage, they really, really struggle. Uh, but, you know, this year being that, you know, a lot of their team will be playing, you know, in, in similar conditions in over in Qatar um, to what it's like playing uh, at home in Saudi Arabia, they may actually be in a better position than what people might think. But again, I just, I just don't see them doing very much in this, uh, in this group in particular. It's a tough group that they've been drawn into. I mean, looking at their squad, you know, they don't have too many kind of, I guess they've kind of done a bit of an Australia in recent times, Saudi Arabia, and don't really have the quality like they, uh, they used to have globally. So, It'll be interesting to see where they fall. Uh, where they fall in this group, they'll obviously be, work real hard, um, and they'll be a, a tricky opposition. But I just don't see where the goals are going to come from against some of the other groups that are in this op- in this in this group. The next team we've got up in Group C is Mexico, who qualified from Concacaf as the third round runners up, coached by Gerardo Martino, captain by Andreas Guadardo. Dom, it's their seventeenth finals appearance, their eighth in a row, uh, currently ranked thirteenth. And while they've made the quarterfinals twice. Incidentally, both times that they've hosted the World Cup, uh, they've always struggled to get past either the round of 16 or the quarterfinals, despite having a very good record of getting out of their group. Yeah, they're a um, real hot and cold team, aren't they, the the Mexican team? They are, as you mentioned, in the group stages, I think infamously, I think it was 2002, they, they, they were on uh, an absolute tear in that uh, uh, Japan career world cup and then got to the round of 16 and were just like humiliated by someone who you thought they would have beat based on the way that they were playing this year. Again, I imagine it'll be much the same um, with them. Their side is, is, is pretty strong. It's got talents uh, across the the board. They'll obviously be uh, relying heavily on the likes of Rao Jimenez and, um, Herbing Lozano to bring them goals. They, other than that, they don't really have too much other quality. Um, you would say inside the um, top five leagues, aside from a couple of players that apply their trade in in the Eredivisie, uh, but the rest of them are kind of homegrown players. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. They probably don't have the quality that they were known for let's say 10 or 12 years ago, but they'll be a, an absolute roadblock for the likes of, like an Argentina, uh, you know, that is going to be a really hotly contested uh, matchup. We know that obviously Mexico is a part of Central American qualification, but there's obviously still a big rivalry with, the, rivalry with them due to the geographical closeness of Mexico and Argentina, which I can imagine will make a really, really, intriguing matchup between them and they will definitely be fancying themselves a chance of at least qualifying as runner-up in this group which is as i mentioned you know looks like it's got the writing on the wall but has the opportunity to have a few twists and turns at the same time and look it looks like with this lineup that they've got a team that it the starting 11 is actually going to be quite competitive my concern with this is the Depth of quality once you go past the first eleven. Definitely, the that that starting eleven could be uh, one of the most capped and experienced starting elevens in maybe all the World Cup. Some of the games they've played are huge for the national team, and 
that's pretty much how it's been for a long time. They've just had that starting 11 and just rode him through tournament and qualification process for years. Um, Okshawa in goals, the goalkeeper union from you, Anthony. Um, he always turns into prime Buffon when it comes to a national competition. <laughs> um, maybe he can pull something out of the bag, but he's not playing too much recently. Um, and, you know, he's got a lot of games under his belt. So he has experience, but how long can you keep that up? Uh, Dom said it perfectly. There's not a wealth of talent in big name leagues, and there's a few that are in name leagues, but not the very upper echelon of them. Um, and then below that, you're just going back to the to the Mexican League, uh, Liga MX itself, to get the talent from there. Um, and s- s- despite saying all that, I still see them getting out of the group as they usually do, um, coming in second for me, but uh, pushing Argentina right to that last game. Uh, because they're just going to be that team that they're just going to be able to find ways to score. They're going to be able to find ways not to concede um, and then just stop the opposition at opportunities they get. We then move on to our last team in Group C. And for mine, this could be a genuine nuisance value in this group. It is Poland who qualified from the UEFA second round path B, walking over Russia before beating Sweden, coached by Seslo Minikowicz and captain Luke by arguably the best striker in the world right now in Robert Lewandowska. There might be a oh. few uh, that would like to uh, challenge your thought of the best striker. And also Berlin challenge Harland. your pronunciation as well. No, yeah. that's actually been confirmed. <laughs> no, that has actually been confirmed by Keith Topolsky. Oh, but what does he know? Just because he's, he's Polish doesn't mean he's anything. He's half Polish. He doesn't watch the game. He see the evidence of his pronunciation. Uh, it's Lewandowski. I know it's Lewandowski because I also used to speak to someone who was Polish and also into football, and he and he told me it's Lewandowski. It is Not, Lewandowski. How did you say it? It sounded like you were like eating food when you said it. <laughs> right, believe me, it's better than how Mizi would have said it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. But everyone knows that Mizi's pronunciation is uh, comedy uh, in Gold. itself. Luke, this is a, a team that I, I think is probably one of the more underrated attacks in particular. De- definitely. It's very, very underrated in what they can do. They've been very good in their qualifying and just national games in general um, over the last, let's say, five or six years since Lewandowski has hit that you know vein of form in the later part of his career where he can just bang goals for fun. Um, his The reliance on him, though, to score is going to be probably the most out of any team. Uh, they do have some other players who can play some uh, good football and some good driving runs and scoring goals from midfield. Uh, but Lewandowski is going to be that guy. And realistically, I don't know if I've seen Lewandowski actually score that many goals outside the box uh, at any level. So if they can't get service to him inside that 18-yard area, maybe he's not going to score as many goals as everyone suspects. And it's going to be just the reliance on the defense that's going to get them a chance to win this win their games and get out of this group. To be fair, he did score one on the weekend, but um, I agree. He's not known for his uh, – not that he can't, but I just don't think he has the the pace to get himself into a position to, to try that. And yeah, he's going to have to have someone putting the ball there for yeah, him to just defense smash is it good enough. If the defence is good enough and knows how to stay with him, then, yeah, he doesn't have the space. And that's always been his problem with the World Cup because – Similar, I get he's kind of, and a lot of people kind of overgloss this because he's probably not the same personality as someone like a Slatana Ibrahimovic is, but he's into the same kind of realm uh, uh, as he is for Poland, as Slatan was for Sweden, where they pr- pretty much put all the ball through him and there's mm. no other option. And that is strange because they're not short of talent in this squad. Um, obviously, no, that him, midfield is quite good. They've got very, you know, very Petra, good players in that it, midfield. Petra Zielinski leading it along with Kamil uh, Grzyski, um, you know, who's had a good run. Uh, Kuchivak, who's been a long, been a long stay in this Polish team as well. They've got a solid defence too. Jan Bednarak, um, obviously leading the line there. They've got Wojciech Szczesny at the back. Uh, excuse me, between the sticks, I should say. So they've got quality here. Yes, they're probably missing a a born number ten, um, which they've you know I think is part and parcel what they've probably missed for some time to partner up front with 
Lewandowski to allow him to kind of be the number nine uh, in this squad rather than being that that hero for them, uh, that, that, that let's say that overbearing hero. They've got some good quality in the side. I I, I imagine they'll anything other than a runner-up position finish for the Polish would be of a extreme disappointment. But their their biggest weapon is also their biggest uh, weakness, which is Robert Lewandowski, because he's so good that everyone knows that that's where that's all the that's all they do. That's all that's where they go. And if you just Matt, if you just put a few numbers on him, he there's no one else who can kind of step up and provide him that assistance when needed. Well, let's just to wrap up for Group C there. I think we're all in agreement that we think Argentina will make it out of the group. It's a toss-up, I feel, between Mexico and Poland. Probably, ad- for mine, advantage Mexico. Yep, 100% on my side. Advantage Mexico. Um, Mexico could even make an upset and win this group uh, if that starting 11 plays up to great form and they get a good result against Argentina. I'm actually going to go the other way. I, I, I'm obviously definitely looking at um, the uh, Argentines to progress through the group, but I actually probably going more towards Poland. I don't think Mexico has the the squad and I think will struggle this year. So I'm leaning towards the Polish uh, on this edition of the World Cup. Well, let's move on to Group D and we're going to leave one of the teams in the order that we originally put this until we come back from our break. But we're going to start off with the... Two less the two of the lesser teams here, and we're going to go Dom straight to Group D, and we're going to look at Denmark, who qualified from UEFA Group F as winners, coached by Kasper Hulmand and captain by Simon Kaya. Their sixth finals appearance, their second in a row. You know they made that incredible quarterfinals appearance in France, nineteen ninety eight. Currently ranked tenth in the world, and for mine, I think this is their best lineup since the golden generation of the nineties. Well, that's a big call. <laughs> Best since a- the golden generation. Not better than yes. the golden generation. Because that team in the 90s were incredible. It's a, it's a big call. Um, because that obviously went on a one of Euros um, in, in that, uh, uh, let's say, golden era, albeit they were somewhat fortunate to get there at the time, um, but they did go on and, uh, and win it, which is incredible. Obviously, huge squad here. They'll um, they'll be buoyant again after their, their performance in the Euros in 2022, uh, 2021, I should say, um, which saw them get to a semi-final and re- only fall short to a, a pretty innocuous penalty decision against England in the semi-final there. Played some really attractive football. They rode the the wave of Christian Eriksen's uh, heart palpitation in the first game and, and bounced back. He's back in the squad as well and playing at the top of his game. So that's going to be a huge uh, boost for them. And then they've just got quality all over the park, really. It's just a well kind of structured team. There's no real, you would say, match winners in the team. They're a, they're a, but they're a unit. They're a unit there's, but there's no weaknesses. There's no one saying like, oh, you know, they're probably missing a right back or a left back. It's they're all they're all kind of even keel, and that can actually sometimes be a better formula than having a squad like a Poland, for example, which has just got Lewandowski up front and then kind of doesn't really have anything else to offer. Luke, I look at this squad, and I think there might be one thing that might actually be missing from this team, and it is a, a genuine striker. I mean, it's been mentioned before. They've got one of the probably one of the better number tens in the world in Christian Eriksen. Their midfield is solid. The defense is excellent. They've got Casper Schmeichel. Need I say more in goals? They just missing that quality up right in the number nine position. Well, you could say they are, but also they've always been able to find goals across the pitch. So it's not going to be a huge blight on their squad in general um, because they are so well formed and put together with quality of the same standard across the park. Uh, the goals will come from that midfield place um, for the most part, um, but you are you are right in saying they don't have a proper number nine. But this is my frisky pick. 
I'm going I'm going with them putting in a good run in this World Cup. Um, after their Euros, I think they're going to be riding a wave of emotion. One, from getting so far within the Euros, and then obviously the situation with Christian Eriksen coming back, um, playing very, very well. Uh, he'll be looking to make a statement going, you know, I'm not done yet. Um, and his teammates are going to feed off that energy, I think. So this could be a really, really interesting interesting national squad um, and, and team to go into this World Cup. Uh, France, obviously the favourites. I was kind of upset that you said it was of the lesser two teams of this group because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a kind of a big insult on them because I think they're going to do very, very well. Quite possible. And I think they do, um, Dom, they do have probably one of the best half – Midfield pairings in the in the World Cup in, in Ericsson and Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Mm. Yeah, they've got quality, as I mentioned, across the park, which isn't, uh, as I mentioned, you wouldn't, it, it's, not, it's not stardom, it's not stand out, you know, but aside from, obviously, the, the likes of Christian Ericsson in there. But as I mentioned, there's just that strength across the entire park and that kind of union that they have on the field, which is what really kind of strikes a chord with most. Well, let's move on to um, our next team before we take our break in Group D. And we are going to go across to Tunisia, uh, qualified from the um, the Confederation of African Federation. Uh, third round winners, they beat Mali 1-0 on aggregate, coached by Jalel Kadri, captained by Yusuf um, Sunny, and not really a lot to talk about with this one, Luke. Unlike a lot of the other nation, um, nations, they've got a lot of players really spread out across the world. Um, but a particular focus, it has to be said, in terms of playing in the mid to lower leagues in France and the Netherlands. Yep, it, it's, it's not a good-looking squad on paper. Generally, from a World Cup's perspective, there's always an African nation that does well and above all expectations. Um, we're putting a lot of expectations on Senegal this year. So, you know, the other nations that are there from the African continent um, might not step up like they are, and Senegal might be that team. Uh, but Tunisia is not really much to be said about. They're not playing too well in their leagues uh, they have a reasonable experience. You've got a lot of plays in that 20 to 40 game bracket. Uh, but those those caps are not coming in the highly of highest competitive fixtures. Uh, they've never got out of the group stages in previous World Cups, just despite making six. Um, the ranking's reasonably good, 30th in comparison to a Saudi team, which we believe was better. They're um, significantly higher in the rankings. Um, but I don't see the, this team doing anything uh, in this group at all. And obviously, if they can't do that, they're not going to make it any further. And Dom, it has to be said that the um, the six times that they've made the World Cup, they've never made it out of the, the group stages. Um, they've got a couple of players who might be able to put some goals away, but you get the feeling that they're probably going to be in line as a potential thanks for coming. Yeah, definitely in line for a, a thanks to coming award, uh, Tunisia. Uh, look, that's no disrespect to their squad, but outside, as as kind of Luke alluded to before, the kind of bigger um, players uh, from Afcon. You're looking at your Cote d'Ivoire, your Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal. There hasn't really been another nation that's really kind of surprised at a World Cup in quite some time. And I kind of see this with Tunisia too. I don't see, especially in this group, it's it's probably the group of death, um, right? You've got arguably one of the best teams in Asia who are about to talk about. We've got the world champs who are about to get to a semi-finalist at a Euro. Uh, Tunisia didn't qualify, you know, and that, again, the African qualifications always. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go take our break. And when we come back, we're going to have uh, our second half of part two of the 2022 FIFA World Cup preview right here on Splinters the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? 
If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 947777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, proud station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby-Karingai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street, Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcast. Anthony Caruso with Luke Scarly uh, back with you for part, for the second half of part two of our preview of the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Unfortunately, Dom Rizzuto has had some technical issues. He's lost his entire system, but we'll have to carry on anyway. It's a shame, Luke, because we're shaping up to do the two big teams out of Group D. I know he's going to miss the beloved nation that is Australia, the the big one uh, that we're going to say is going all the way. Uh, Dom has had some uh, dubious picks in the past doing our EPL previews. He threw some landmines in there with his picks. Um, I was I was thinking maybe he was going to say Tunisia going all the way uh, with his track record of, of, of boosting the underdogs like Tottenham and crazy things like Nottingham Forest. Um, but soccer is up, are coming up, so we can have a good good talk about them and a, and a, a good laugh about how they're going to win the whole thing. Well, let's let's first go to a team who are coming in as defending champions. And probably is going to have a very good, very good discussion as to why they're not going to win it. And it is France who qualified from Group D as winners. They are the defending champions, managed by Didier Deschamps, captained by Hugo Lloris. It's their 16th finals appearance, their seventh in a row. They've, they're two-time champions. One's in France, 98. The other one, of course, is defending champions, currently ranked fourth. But, Luke, the big talk at the moment is not about how good the squad is, but it's about who's actually going to be available. Oh, you're exactly right. The availability is becoming a crisis with this French team. They've already lost Pogba. They've already lost Kante. That's that's the heartbeat of their midfield right there. 
Uh, they do have some other crazy good players to fill in. Kamavinga and Chuameni can just easily slot in there. You've got Genduzi as just a person that people go, oh, he was an Arsenal left and forget. He's actually a very, very good player, and he can go in there and do a job as well. Um, Jonathan Klaus, uh, this guy just appeared out of nowhere. He just became synonymous with being the absolute OP master as a right back on FIFA uh, last year, and now he's pushing himself into a spot. William Saliba as well at the back. Um, you know, he was he was on loan and he came back to Arsenal, and now he's absolutely going on God mode. Um, but their forward line is, is is great. Olivier Giroud is going to be surprisingly an interesting one in there. Mbappe has come out publicly and stated he loves playing with Giroud because then he can play his natural position. Uh, he might even he might even get some good game time this year again, Giroud. And Christopher Nkunku, the surprise package, he has been scintillating as the probably the best word to say what he has been doing in the Bundesliga with Leipzig. Um, I'm looking for him to have a massive World Cup. And if France go far, he could potentially get player of the tournament, young player of the tournament. He's freaky good on the ball. He's got good pace and he is a good shooter from midfield. The challenge I see with this is that's not all in terms of players who are currently missing due to injuries because it then extends out further to the likes of Hugo Lloris himself, uh, Karim Benzema, um, Kamara, Aiden, Rabiot as well. And, you know, even Griezmann and Giroud have had their injury concerns here at the moment. If they get even half of those players on the pack, they're going to be a, they will be a force, make no mistake about it. But Didier Deschamps has got his work cut out to, to work out how he's going to put a team together that's going to be competitive. And dare I say, Early on in this, early on in this piece, they could actually be vulnerable. Very much so, they could be vulnerable. They might not know what their starting eleven can be, and with just that group stage, if you don't get that first first game a win or a draw, if you get zero points from that first game, you're putting yourself in a tough spot because uh, you're always going to be playing catch up. If they can get their starting eleven uh, set and they can get on the park as that team and they know what their roles are, then definitely they can be an absolute juggernaut as they've been in most competitions uh, and matches during qualification phase at the last World Cup as well. But the French seem to have something with them as well where they just capitulate. Um, It's happened in the past. Everyone gets the infighting and they just lose and it's just an embarrassment. That could happen again uh, if their starting team does not settle correctly and they just play some weird tactic that no one particularly likes uh, Mbappe, again, he's never been told no in his life by the looks of it when he plays for PSG. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't become the person who tells everyone what to do and Didier Deschamps can actually wrangle this squad as the coach and the manager because if one player is telling everyone what to do and putting themselves up on a pedestal ahead of the others, that just spells disaster and vulnerability, which a nation like Denmark or the Socceroos could capitalize on. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it'll be fascinating to see how they try to work their way through here. And, and you know, it's it's going to be a very close fought thing in this group right now. We now move on to the mighty Socceroos, Australia, who had one win. of the hardest qualification pro, uh, pathways for the World Cup. Well, you know, never, never let it be said that Australia can do this, ever does things the easy way. They had to qualify from the Intercontinental Playoff, AFC versus Comnebol. They beat UAE to become the fifth-place team from AFC before beating Peru to make the finals, coached by Graham Arnold, captain by Matt Ryan. It's going to be their sixth finals appearance. Incredibly, it will be their fifth in a row. Uh, Their best performance, a round of 16 at Germany 2006, and the current ranking of 38. So not the worst team that's going into this World Cup. Um, And... You know, like a few of the other teams in this comp- in this uh, World Cup, their their biggest issue is going to be the lack of a world class striker. That's something they haven't had since the days of Viduka, Kennedy, and Cahill. What they do have is one of the hardest working and arguably one of the fittest teams in the competition. Yep, fitness is what Australia is known for. Uh, they can run for days, they can defend for days, uh, and that's what they're probably going to do. I have to say, watching those games in the Intercontinental Playoff against Peru, 
I was quite bored a lot of the match because of how deep they were playing and just stifling. They did get some good attacks, uh, but counter-attack could be a good option for Australia. Uh, they've got good pace up front. Nabil, McLaren, uh, even Lecky, if he gets in there uh, for some wing play. Uh, the back line is looking a little bit better with Harry Suter back in the, in the fold. Uh, he's been selected as of recording this, uh, and you know he, he's just a tower at the back. He can score goals. Set pieces might be another option for the Socceroos to to get some goals against those other nations, um, put themselves in good positions. Trent Sainsbury misses out on a squad. Uh, I always thought he was quite a good player that could play defensive-mindedly and tactically to something that uh, the Socceroos would want. But Australia are known are known for being good on the big stage and always doing something. I I, I don't actually have them going out of the group, unfortunately. My frisky pick from our last last preview of Denmark, I'm going to have them going through as number one in the group and France number two. But I could easily change that around and get the Socceroos depending on how they play in that first fixture. And as we go through, I can see, I think Dom Rizzuto has actually managed to get his system back up. I think he's back with us. Dom, are you there? I am. Sorry, gentlemen. I am back. Not too sure what happened there, but... Uh... Everything seems to be working for now. All right, we are we're back in line. That's uh, that's pretty good. There, we'll get now that you're back, Dom. We'll get your thoughts very quickly on France. First off, really talking about the fact that although they've got a very good team in terms of their their gun lineup when they're available, the biggest issue they've got right now is the horrific injury toll going through their squad. Yeah, they've obviously lost some key personnel. I think the loss of N'Golo Conte is going to be huge for. Them. That being said, is he the world beater that we saw two, two, four, two, three years ago? Now, I don't think so. Um, and but he's definitely a better player to have in that squad than not having him in that squad because defensively, the French have been extremely fragile, especially in the latest um, international matchups that have happened across Europe in the last twelve months which will pose uh, an opportunity for a lot of teams to get on the front foot. But on the other side of the coin, they do have the two best attacking players in the world right now in Kylian Mbappe and Karim Benzema. Will they work together? Can they get themselves rolling? Clearly Mbappe wants to play as that front striker and doesn't really love playing on the wing. That's why they've kind of swapped it over in the uh League Uden with PSG, but Benzema will obviously lead the line as the best player in the world at the moment. And they've obviously got quality in the midfield and, and the depth is is insane. But yeah, that back line is, is a little bit fragile. And I think if any team can get an early goal against them and kind of sit back and hit them on the counter, they'll be in good stead. But they won't want to go a goal down and start chasing the game and allow the match to open up because the speed that the French have uh, on the wings and then the control they have in the midfield is and, and the class they have in Benzema will be really hot to handle if they get off to a fast start in their matchups. We then go over to the Australian squad, Dom, and yeah, you know, we meant we mentioned before you came back in that uh, they haven't they haven't had a world class striker since the days of Viduka Kennedy and Cahill. They do have one of the fittest teams in the competition. The the lineup having been announced threw up some real surprises here. Uh, but some of them really a long time coming. And I think probably one of the more controversial ones is a few people decrying that Tom Rogic hasn't been selected for mind. I think this is long overdue. Agreed. I don't think Tom Rogic uh, deserved to be in the squad. He dropped out of the qualifiers when he was ready to be selected. No reason, just decided he didn't want to play. That's fine. No one's going to bemoan that, but you can't suddenly then turn around and go, oh, but I want to play in the World Cup now that we've qualified. It, it gave me that sense that he didn't have belief in the team to get past the two teams that Australia needed to beat to make it to the finals in Qatar. And they did, and then he was like, great, now I'll join the team. And that's just not how it works. Uh, I'm interested in a couple of selections. Obviously, the absence of Mitch uh, Langerak was uh, an interesting one. Obviously, that's been well publicised the last 24 hours after Graham Arnold brought him back out of retirement in a, in a hope that he'd go play in the World Cup and then didn't select him 
is is an odd is an odd call, especially selecting uh, Danny Vukovic over him. I can understand Matt Ryan getting a pick, and Andrew Redmayne deserved to be a, be there as the penalty specialist. But Danny Vukovic going that's that's got to be a job for the boys there because I'm not quite sure how he managed to get there now that he's back playing in the A League in particular. So it'd be interested to see uh, how that goes. Matt Ryan grossly out of form, not playing enough football as he once was, will obviously be a, a stalwart for Australia and, and we believe in him. But uh, I'm shocked by the, the the Mitch Langer act not being there as number two. Trent Spainsbury, obviously, we've alluded to, is a big was a big omission based on his uh, family ties um, with Arnold. And then, you know what, I, I've, I've said this for a number of years, I, I don't know why Matt Leckie's in the team, and not only in the team, but the captain of the team. I think that was—I think that's an odd call too. But uh, you know, I'm liking the fact that they've picked Grant Cole, they've put in Jason Cummins, um, we've got Martin Boyle back from injury, and oh, um, at least is playing some football. A League memes are absolutely loving the selections right now. <laughs> Our mates at A League memes. But I, um, I like I like the squad. I think it. I think it's solid. Harry Suter has to be there. Um, there's no doubt about that. Obviously, um, Volpato was obviously asked to come along board. I'm glad that he said no because he didn't want to play for Australia. I don't think he should be suddenly just like dangled a piece of fruit just because it's a World Cup. He should come and play for a nation he doesn't really want to play for, so, even though he is quality. And I got to watch him the other day for Roma, but he didn't want to be there. He wants to play for Italy. That's fair enough. Out of that, it's a it's a it's a reasonably decent squad. I think we're light on in the midfield, but defensively we've got size. We're safe at the back between the sticks with Matt Ryan, and up front we do have goals and the likes of a Weirmobile, Martin Boyle, and and I guess the biggest biggest question: Can Jamie McLaren be that number nine that Australia has not had since Tim Cahill? Can he take the A League form that he has and actually put it on the world stage? Because not only will that do him the world of good, but it'll actually do the A League and Australian football the world of good as well. That we actually we do have world class strikers playing in the A League, and yes, they can compete at the highest level when the matter uh, when the time arises. Group D, the group of death, um, a tough one. This on paper you would have normally have said. Uh, France and Denmark to get out of this group, but I think this is an absolute wild card. France are walking wounded. Denmark are looking okay. Australia's got a chance. Probably Tunisia is the one you're going to write off there. Luke, your prediction from out of Group D? Like I said, Denmark, I've got them going through as number one. Uh, France possibly having some in-house capitulation, uh, but still going through in second. But if Australia can sneak something in that first game on on the French, on the French, um, they could easily take up into second, and France do something like Italy have done in the past and fail after winning a big tournament and well, not make it out of the group. That's the other thing, Dom. The trend has usually been the team that wins the World Cup fails to get out of the group stages at the next World Cup. And France have done that before. <laughs> Deja vu coming, maybe. They won it in uh, nineteen ninety eight, and they didn't make it outside the group in two thousand and two. What's your call? I don't think I think France and Denmark will still go through. I think France will top the group. I think they're too strong. I think uh, it'll be a battle between Australia and Denmark. That's the key fixture for Australia. Uh, I'm going to put us. You know what? I'm feeling. I'm feeling in a positive mood tonight. Australia's to make it through, and Denmark continues to to make uh, to miss out. There we go. We've been waiting for someone to to pull the trigger on it, and there we are. So France and Australia from Dom and then Denmark and France from Luke. We're now going to go to our last group of the of the episode here. It is Group E, and we're going to start off with Spain, who qualified as winners of Group B from the UEFA qualification, coached by Luis Enrique, captained by Sergio Busquets. And it's, Luke, it is a team lineup chockers full of talent all the way through. It is young talent as well in certain areas, which is really, really good to see. Perhaps they could capture that glory again and become another powerhouse. The Euros threw up a little bit of a surprise. Not that we expected Spain to be bad, uh, but 
to be within one goal or one opportunity of making the final, which inevitably they could have possibly even won uh, if they got through to that final. Uh, but they didn't, obviously. So it's going to be this year in the World Cup. What can they do? They do have a surprisingly tricky group um, to get out of, first and foremost. Um, and those older older generation players like Busquets, Jordi Alba, Carvajal, Azpilicueta in there as well. Uh, not that he's had a whole bunch of big-time game experience, even though he's got a lot of caps. Uh, it's just to see whether they do good or not uh, on the world stage again because they are kind of getting past it in terms of speed, agility, and just technical nuance uh, to, to progress that team forward in the passing tiki taka game. Uh, Pedri, Gavi, Ferran Torres, uh, they could all elevate to another level and make this their World Cup to say, we are here, we are the new guys, we are going to be the, the dominant force going forward. Uh, and the forward line is looking a bit sketchy. Uh, where are those goals coming from? The the ever underwhelming Alvaro Morata has to be a new new newborn son and be David Villa reincarnated to do something. And Dom, this is the thing. They've got, it looks like a lineup that's gone to a modified false nine. Except the difference is they actually have a number nine in this lineup, arguably in Alvaro Morata, but. Do they go with him or do they go for a true false no. nine? No, no, no. Poor old Alvaro Morata uh, shouldn't be played in this in this in this team. Um, he just doesn't produce the goals for them in the big moments. Yeah, he, he did have that goal that drew them level with Italy in the Euro semi in, in a match they probably should have won. Let's face it. Uh, but he then went, he then went on and missed the penalty. Right, which yeah. uh, allowed Italy to go through to the final and eventually win that on penalties too. He doesn't need to be in the squad. I mean, they've got talent everywhere, this Spanish side. Is it as good as uh, the one that won it and had that uh, trio of triumphs uh, a decade ago? No, not even remotely close. But, you know, there's still some quality there and, you know, a lot will be asked of... Um, their senior players, like you mentioned, in the likes of Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Cesar Spilasqueta, Sergio Ramos, if he's ended up being selected. I'm not too sure if he has been. I'd be surprised if he hasn't. They've got like Fed Ferran Torres as well, who's, who's a solid option. I guess the biggest thing for myself this year for Spain is do, do they... Does Luis Enrique finally pull the trigger and go? You know what? I'm going. I'm blooding. I'm blooding the young players. Mm. I'm. I'm. You know, we'll leave the likes of Busquets and obviously Sergio Ramos and Jordi Alba and Danny Carvajal in there as a bit of experience. But do I go then partner Pal Torres next to Sergio Ramos instead of an Aspilicueta? Do I? You know, I drop Coke. I drop um, Marcus Lorente. I play Gavi and I play Pedri. Like you have to play those two. Like let the youngsters play, uh, let them play, let them build, start building a generation for four years' time when it's in America when they're going to be at their peak. Because Pedri and Gavi are the Spain's answer to Iniesta and Xavi, so they need those two to start playing with each other more consistently at a high level, like they do for Barcelona, but at a, on a world stage. Can they be the two to? get them back to that, let's say, top five teams in the world. Can I throw one other issue up for this team? And I'm going to throw to Luke here in particular. It's the goalkeeping situation here at the moment. I mean, David De Gea is on the outer with this squad at the moment. And the question is really going around about who gets selected between Unice, Unice Simon, Robert Sanchez and David Raya. Well, Unai Simon seems to be the incumbent to take over. He played a lot of the Euros. Uh, but Robert Sanchez has been in incredible form for Brighton. They're doing very, very well in the Premier League. And a lot of that's been on the back of him making absolutely ridiculous saves. Uh, so I reckon it's just going to be a toss-up between those two. But they're going to stick with Unai Simon. Uh, he's playing in the Spanish League. Not that that should be a determining factor, but it seems like it generally is uh, for a lot of the players. They kind of get that aura of being Spanish in Spain um, and playing there. 
getting them in the squad. So I'd like to throw to you, Dom. Uh, you mentioned that Busquets should still be in the squad for his experience and in the side. I will be playing Rodri ahead of him. Is that something you will be going with as well, or are you on the Busquets side still? No, I, I'll always pick Rodri over Busquets. I always think Sergio Busquets was fortunate to play alongside Ch- Xavi and Iniesta for so long, and obviously since their retirement or their um, I guess their retirement is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> he has been the same player, and Barcelona haven't been the same squad. Well, I think Roger, yeah, I think he's, he's he's in better form. He's at a better point in his career in terms of his age and and in, in his and his athleticism. But Luis Enrique likes all like all of the managers for each nation in the in the let's say the top ten, ten nations like to pick like especially the ones that play. Other like from the top five leagues in the world like to pick players from certain clubs. Mm. Luis Enrique, Barcelona legend, Barcelona manager, former Barcelona manager, I should say, loves to pick Barcelona players, no matter how good the player is. So that kind of comes into it, and I think that's why I naturally just went Busquets will be picked because yeah, that's I think that's how that that's how they play. It's the same thing in England, right, Trent? Um, Gareth Southgate will only literally pick players from either Liverpool. Manchester United, Chelsea, or Manchester City, and won't pick like out, outside that top four. You got to be yeah. like the best of the best to get picked um, if you're not playing essentially in the Champions League team. So that's the way I kind of see it with Spain. But I agree with you. I don't think Sergio Busquets should be in the starting lineup. Yep, definitely. Right. I think Rodri can put in a good a good protective wall for the back line if they do change it up. Uh, and then allow Pedri and Gabby to just run their show in the in the forward line. Right. Well, with that, we're going to go to the second team in Group E, and these this is the the nation that sort of fell foul um, at the last time out, almost making it out. But can they do it this time? It is Costa Rica who qualified from the Concacaf against Oceania playoff. Coached by Luis Fernando Suarez, captained by Brian Ruiz. It's their sixth final appearance, third in a row, the best performance of the quarterfinals from Brazil 2014, and a ranking of 31st. And Dom, you know, most of the players in this squad, this is likely to be their last World Cup, the closing of the window, arguably, for Costa Rica. Oh, I mean. Where do you start with with Costa Rica? I mean, they're very much up there for a uh, thanks for coming award. There's not too much quality um, really anywhere. Obviously, Kayla Navas will be uh, their biggest uh, weapon uh, between the sticks. And unfortunately for him, and arguably one of the most underrated goalkeepers in the world right now, just can't get in the first team at PSG because behind Gianluigi Donnarumma, I don't know what it is. He just never seems to be considered as as elite, even though he's played for probably the most elite teams in the world for a period of time. Uh, but there's not much else to kind of sing about this uh, side here. Brian Avedia at Real Salt Lake, obviously, is a, an experienced centre-half for them. But other than that, I don't really see where they'll actually, let's say, stun anybody um, in this World Cup. Uh, what do you think, Luke? Is this a thanks for coming award here? Uh, definitely. We we had our talk about Mexico before and how they had a whole bunch of experience in a starting 11 uh, that could do something and then there's nothing really after that starting 11. Costa Rica kind of in the same vein, but their starting 11 is just way poorer than what the Mexicans can produce. Taylor Navas is the only shining light. Um, and unfortunately, when it comes to big games and the quality they have in their opponents in their group, uh, he's not going to be able to stop everything. Uh, so I can see them conceding goals. I can see them not scoring goals. Uh, and that's just a recipe for disaster. We then move on to our third team in Group E, and it is Germany, who qualified as winners of Group J from UEFA, coached by Hansi Flick, captain by Manuel Neuer. It's their 20th finals appearance, their 18th in a row, and that's a combined record, including East Germany, uh, four-time world champions, currently ranked 11th in the world. And Luke, this is this is a significant World Cup uh, and indeed a significant international tournament because this is their first international tournament 
post the reign of Joachim Lowe. Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, I think it's going to be a tournament of finding out for Germany. So by finding out, I mean it's a new manager, so he's not going to have that kind of these are my boys mentality. Um, the ones that are going to be mainstays are probably going to perform well anyways, but those ones on the fringe of there's three or four, which they do have three or four players that are good in every position could just find themselves on the outer very quickly. If they don't perform up to scratch in this tournament, uh, you're going to have some people or some players that are winding down. They're going to transition transition, uh, Names like Thomas Muller obviously is the leader of that. Uh, but Germany or Germany, they're always going to be strong in all departments, great in the wing. They can play with the ball on the ground. They can rival other nations with that tiki-taka style, but also if they need to just lump it into the box uh, and score goals that way, they usually can. Uh, now you can never write the Germans off no matter what level or tournament they are in. So I'm expecting big things. Dom, this is a fascinating piece because one thing we did note um, with the Germans is that back when Joachim Lowe took over for the 2006 World Cup, it was a team that he was building up. They weren't expect to win it, but they definitely overachieved with the lot, the young lineup that he had here. To me, I look at this World Cup squad, and this is this smells of 2006. It's a young squad. It's got some talent behind it. It's probably not ready to go on a World Cup run this year but they could cause some real problems in 2026. This uh, German team has kind of been in a bit of a lull since it won the World Cup in 2014. It's still, you know, it's, it's, it's very different uh, since then uh, and that side that, that won that particular tournament. But God, they have some class um, up front in particular and in the midfield, you know, Ikai Gondawan. Serge Gnabry, Leo Sane, Thomas Muller still kicking about, Leon Goretzka, Marco Ruiz. They'll have uh, Kimmich as well, Kai Havertz. I mean, they've got – and Julie Elsie and, and obviously their starlet in Jamal Musiala. I mean, they've got so much talent in this squad. I guess the the weakness is probably in the last few years is they haven't had Jerome Boateng and Matt Hummels at the back. And the the replacements that have come through in recent times – haven't probably been the same level. They still have Mamor Neuer at the back, who is still world-class, probably still the best goalkeeper in the world on his day. Probably hasn't reached the heights that or the incredible feats that we've seen him produce over his career. And they've got, obviously, Marc-Andre Testegen in there as backup. So they've got literally one of the most classy outfits across the board. But I just don't know what it is. Uh, I, I, on a World Cup stage, the Germans sometimes just don't quite get into their groove and perhaps it's a, a coaching change that they need, but it seems that um, at least for the time being, whilst uh, Hansi Flick uh, gets his second chance in charge of the squad at, this, at a, an international tournament, that it will remain that way. But how can he kind of get the, the best out of this side uh, and just, I guess, drive some consistency because he's got the talent there. We move on to our last team in Group E and indeed the last team for this episode here tonight. It is the Blue Samurais of Japan who qualified third, um, qualified as runners-up from the third round of the AFC qualifications, coached by Hajime Moriyasu, captained by Maya Yoshida and Dom, seventh finals appearance, appearance it's all in this current streak as well they made the round of 16 in japan korea 2002 south africa 2010 and russia 2018 so they've developed a bit of consistency as of late ranked 24th and we know that the the big strength that japan has is speed and plenty of it to burn yeah they they played really well in the last uh matchups that they have with australia in particular uh, and across the the asian qualifying Yes, they don't have that that golden generation of the likes of the Suzuki Honda and Shinji Kagawa in there anymore. But you know, Takumi Minamimo is a is a quality player. Takafusi Kubo is is an absolute starlet. I'm wondering if this will be his uh, World Cup where he um, shows uh, puts himself on the world stage. 
they probably don't have the defense uh, or, or a key number nine, which is obviously going to be a bit disappointing for them. But they'll definitely provide a challenge for this group. There's no doubt about that. But they'll be relying heavily on their trickier midfield players in Minamino and, and Kubo to take them to uh, a level which we probably haven't seen uh, the Japanese squad produce in, in some time at a World Cup level. And this is the challenge they've got, Luke, in particular with their defence. They've got two very experienced defenders in Maya Yoshida and Yuto Nagatomo. But once you go past that, maybe uh, Hiroki Sakai, there's not a lot left. And if one of them goes down, uh, they're going to be all of a sudden lacking a lot of experience. And not only that, you can see for, in particular for Nagatomo and, and Yoshida, probably their last World Cup. Definitely. Uh... Generally, Japanese sides have that pace going forward and super technical on the ball. Uh, at the back, they can play out of the back with passing game. But those those, those two at the back uh, look like they're on their last legs. Uh, I'm not sure how they're going to defend against the pace of some of the other teams. Uh, they're definitely going to be better than Costa Rica in terms of their starting 11 and what they can produce on the field. But it's those two big big heavyweights and juggernauts um, that I don't think they're going to be able to match unless they can get something from their forward forward players with goals, uh, which they can do. It's not like they're, they're not do, doing, doing anything like that. Um, but in that Asian qualifying, they were, they were better than most of the opposition uh, they were playing against, so it could be skewed a little bit on how their form is. It's going to be a real challenge, this group here in particular, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. My money at the moment is it's going to be Spain and Germany that goes through. I just don't think Japan and Costa Rica quite have the quality. Gentlemen, your thoughts on the order? Yeah, I definitely think uh, it'll be Spain and Germany that go through uh, in this one. I don't think uh, we're going to um, see anybody else uh, challenge those two. I'm likewise Spain, Germany. I've got Spain going first and Germany going second, but that's just a toss of a coin. Either one of them is first or second, nothing from the other two. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full time here on part two. Yes, part two of Splinters for the 2022 FIFA World Cup preview. I can't believe I'm going to say this. There is one more part to go, and we cannot wait to bring that out. First off, my thanks to Dom Rizzuto through all the battles we've had through this episode. We got there. We've got another one coming up. We can't wait. And as, and as far as you're concerned, Dom, too much football is never enough. Exactly right, Caruso. I can't wait. Luke, thank you very much for joining us here. Look forward to having you on for part three as well. Absolutely. I'm eager for it. Part three, and then once that is, juicy time, the World Cup will be starting. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarley, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.